Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to this very special day, this celebration of freedom. And I just want to say to all of you here, we're so thankful that you've chosen to join with us this morning. And I want to welcome everyone who's watching online. I wish you could have been here. It was absolutely amazing. And I just want to say again, I want to say a special thank you again to those men and women who came up and stood. And uh, once again, we thank them so much for what they did, right? And I want you to know that even our own Pastor Phil is, was in the United States Navy, and we are so appreciative of everything that, that he's done. One last thing, I'm, a, I'm so thankful to the orchestra and the choir. Man, they stayed through both services, and they did that for you, so we want to thank them. All right, so I'm just going to warn you, okay, today's my last Sunday for the month of July. Lori and I are going to take some time, and we're going to get away and get re-energized and rejuvenated. In other words, we're going on vacation, okay? What do you mean? You're not supposed to say yay. All right, that's all right, that's all right. But we'll be back in August, and so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give it to you both barrels. I don't know if you can handle it, but we're going to find out, okay? So... What I want to do today is I kind of want to have a little bit of a locker room talk, okay? This is, we're getting ready to go out. The game's about ready to start. The fans, everybody are, are, are out in the, in the stands, and they're ready for you to come out. And before we go out, we need to hear a word from the Lord. Now, what I want you to understand this morning is this. We all know where our nation is right now, right? We all know that it's heading down a wrong path, and it is heading down that path very quickly. And we need to stop it. And that's what I want to focus on today. I also want to tell you is that I'm accountable to my Lord and my Savior to tell you the truth. Not my truth, but the truth of God's Word. And so I can tell you right now, with some of the things that we're going to hear from God's word today, some of you may be offended. And my response to that is, good. You need to be offended, and so do I. Isn't the Bible great about stepping on our toes? But I want you to know it's because God is giving us a call, and he's asking us to respond. I don't know if you've heard of this man. He was a French philosopher. His name was Alexis de Tocqueville, okay? Now, I don't speak French, so I'm just going to call him Alexis de Tocqueville, okay? What you may not know about him, and what I want you to learn this morning, and especially our young people here today, is this. is He's known as probably one of the most famous tourists that ever toured the United States. He toured our country in 1831 and 1832, do you know why he toured our country? The answer is, is he wanted to find out what it was that made America so great. He was this philosopher, and he had heard about this great nation that was rising out of the West. It was very young, but the word of this nation was spreading throughout the world. And everybody who watched and listened to the United States knew that God was involved in what was happening in the West. And so he decided, I'm going to go and I'm going to tour this nation and I'm going to figure out, I'm going to find out why this nation called the United States of America is so great. 
So for over a year, he toured all of the United States. When he went back home, he wrote about his experience. You want to know what he wrote? Here we go. I sought the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for greatness and genius in Amer- of America in her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her public school system and her institutions of learning, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her Democratic Congress and her matchless Constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flamed with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Wow. Let's read that last part together again, nice and loud. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. If I were in a court of law, I would introduce to you Exhibition A. Did you hear what he said? America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. So what was it? What was it that Torqueville saw as he traveled through the United States? What was it that he saw that he knew made America great? What was it? It was in the churches, right? And specifically in the pulpits. And he tells us that everywhere he went, he heard the pulpits, the preachers preach God's righteousness and God's justice. Look at what the Bible says about this in Psalm 33. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Now you may say, well, what is this righteousness and justice? Here's what it is. It is that God is the ultimate standard for what is good and what is right. I'm going to say that again. These two words, righteousness and justice, that are interconnected, here's what they mean. That God himself is the ultimate standard of what is right and what is good. Hear me loud and clear, and especially you young people who haven't grown up in the nation like some of us have. There is such a thing as truth. And truth is not whatever somebody wants it to be. Truth has a name. His name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Please hear me. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what they tell you is the truth. 
If it does not match up with God's word, it is false. It is a lie. And one day there will be accountability. Now, here's what I want you to know. We're headed down the wrong path. But God's not done with us yet. And if our pulpits begin to preach God's righteousness and God's justice, guess what? America can once again become great because she will first be good in the sight of the Lord. Now, on June 5th, when I preached the sermon, I shared with you what the responsibility is of the church when it comes to our nation, when it comes to our government, when it comes to our community. We're to be a light, we're to be a guide, but remember what I told you, the first responsibility we have is to do what? To share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are called to share the gospel, right? With anyone and wherever we can share it. What's our second responsibility? Influence the community. How do we influence the community? Through random acts of kindness. Why would we do that? Because that's how you build relationships. And as we move out into the community, as we offer turkeys, after we do all of these these nice things, we build relationships, and then and only then it gives us permission to speak into their lives about the importance of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's a third responsibility we have. And the Bible tells us that we are called to be the conscience of our nation, of our government. What does that mean? It simply means this. When the government goes astray, according to the word of God, the church is to sound the alarm. But I have a question for you. What happens when the church goes astray? You're living in it today. You're living the results today. So what I want to share with you this morning is from God's word, from the prophet Micah, and I want you to know that no matter what you see with your eyes, it's never too late. That God still has, I believe, a plan for this church, and not just this church, but the church. I'm talking about all the churches in the world. And if this church will be obedient to God, to humble ourselves, to fall on our knees before him, to repent of our sin, God says he will hear our prayer. He will forgive our sin. And he will heal our land. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, and many of others are saying this to us. We don't want your religion, and we don't need your God. And I want you to know something. They could never be more wrong. But they're speaking from what they don't know. Because here's the truth of God's word. When God is put in his rightful place, there's peace in the land. 
And where the world is going, there will never be peace. You and I are the answer to that peace. So stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from the book of Micah, and I'm going to read Micah verse, chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the harvest of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the earthly figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. But as for me, I watch in the hope the Lord, I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, we want to be the church that influences our community. But I pray that you would help us remember that that must first happen in our homes and even before that in our own individual lives. I know your eyes are looking to and fro for a heart that's fully devoted for you. May you find it in the church. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here's the, the bottom line. If we want our nation to change, the church has to change. If we want our nation to change, the Bible says that the church is the answer. That's right. You and I are the answer to what our country is going through. The Bible makes it very clear that the Lord judges a nation, blesses a nation based on its prayers, its character, and its trust in the Lord God. That's how God blesses a nation. You see, Micah is talking about the fact that, you know what, there's some things happening among Israel that aren't supposed to be happening, and he's concerned about it. And he's telling us that we are the answer. The church is the answer for what the world needs. I want you to know that the most holiest day in the Jewish calendar is Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. Ten days before that is another Jewish holiday called the Feast of Trumpets. From the Feast of Trumpets to the Day of Atonement is ten days. 
These days are called the days that are awesome. You know why? Because each day reminds us that the day of atonement is coming. And what God wants us to know about this Jewish calendar is this. Right now, the days that we are in are awesome. You know why? Because the day of judgment is coming. And so while we have this day today, the Lord is telling us there's still time. But when judgment comes, time ends. What's the Lord telling us to do? Get right with the Lord. He wants us to get right with the Lord and with one another. And so that's why the United States of America needs the church because the church is the answer to our problems. But you know what we're doing? We're blaming the world. Look at all they're doing. Look at all their protests. If they don't like something, if they don't believe in it, what do they do? They attack it and they destroy it. But the Lord is telling us they're not the problem. We are. Let me show you something from the scriptures here. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Here's what I want you to understand. We are where we are right now as a nation because God is where he is at. What have we done to God? We've thrown him out. We've cast him out. We've been trying to get rid of him from our lives. And that's why we are where we are. If you go back through the scriptures, if you go back through history of every world power, you know what happens? Whenever the Lord God was misplaced, the nation always suffered. And right now, our nation is worshiping the created rather than the creator. And God will not stand for being in second place. So what's the answer? Church, we need to put God back in his rightful place. Now Micah reminds us right away that the Israelites had a problem with forgetting. That's what the whole Old Testament is about, right? They would forget my friends, do you know when it's easiest to forget? When you're full. This is what the Lord God told the leaders of Israel to tell their people. When you live in the houses that you didn't build, when you eat of the fruit from the trees you did not plant, when you drink the water from the wells you did not dig, do not forget the Lord your God. And what did Israel do over and over and over again? They forgot. You see, they got caught in this cycle and we're in the same cycle. God would come and they, he would bless them. And the crops would grow and the land would be filled with food and there was lots of joy and there was peace. And what would happen? Israel would sin. And then they would be punished. And then they would repent, and God would send a deliverer. And they went through that cycle over and over again. And that's what's happening in our world today. You see, that's why God sent all the prophets. That's why he sent all the judges. That's why they had all the kings. Why? To remind the people, do not forget. 
You see, Micah was concerned about what was going on amongst the people of Israel at this time. And why was he concerned? Because sin was running rampant. And here's what he does. He gives us the symptoms. And I don't know about you, but when I started reading through Micah, you know what I started thinking about? I started thinking about the United States of America. Boy, that sure sounds like us, doesn't it? Because it is. Take a look at this. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the, of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Micah's painting a picture for us, and here's the picture. One morning I get up and I'm hungry. And so I go out to my yard, I go out to my vineyard, I go out to the trees that I planted, and I'm expecting to find food because I planted them. There's an expectation there. And so Micah goes out, and guess what happens? There's no fruit. There's no food. And the words that the scriptures use, that Micah, the prophet, tells us this, he's not just disappointed, he's grieved in his soul. He mourns over this. What happened to the fruit, to the food? Now, here's what he's trying to tell us. I go out in the world, and I looked for an honest man and an honest woman, and I couldn't find one. That's what he's trying to tell us. I go out into the world, and I'm looking for someone, anyone who believes like me. And there's no one. Hmm. Sounds pretty familiar to me. I mean, when I listen to all the different news stations and things like that, I'm trying to find one person that knows how to tell the truth. I'm looking for people and leaders who are honest. But this is what happens when we experience a breakdown in godliness. I want you to think about this. There was a young lady. She had grown up in the church. After a while, she succumbed to temptation, and she left the church, and she lived the life of being a lesbian. After a while, the Lord went and got her and brought her back. She didn't walk back. The Lord went and got her and brought her back. And this is what she said. Listen very carefully. When the Lord was not a part of my life, I had no reason to say no to anything. You think about that. When the Lord was not a part of my life, I had no reason to say no to anything. And that's what we're seeing in our world today. When God is not the center of your life, Satan will take you down a path and you think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Here's the next thing. This is out of Romans 1. And when you listen to these words, see if you don't think about our world today, specifically our country. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor give thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Did you hear that? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than creator. And remember, one of the biggest created things that they serve and worship right now is themselves. I make my own decisions. I decide what is truth. And then it says, rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. So the first thing that we see happening is that there's a breakdown in godliness. Here, look at the second thing that Micah tells us, okay? Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm, now is the time of your confusion. Here's the second thing that he's saying. Corruption in leadership. I'm not talking about our president, and I'm not talking about any political party. I'm talking about everybody in government. There is corruption in leadership. How do you know that, Pastor Bob? It's real simple. They have twisted righteousness. Right has become wrong, and what's wrong has become right. Am I right in that? Here's the other part of it. Those who have influence in our nation are the ones who are getting their way. Briberies, scandals, and power, the abuse of power is what Micah's talking about. And I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I see that every day in the United States. Power corrupts. And that's what's happening in Micah's day, and that's what's happening in our day. My friends, I want you to think about this. Did you know the World Bank, the World Bank sets aside $5 billion, guess what for? Bribes. That's the world that we're living in. And when you turn on the TV, you need to listen and watch everything through the lens of God's word. Here's the third thing. Or let me go through this scripture verse here, okay? It says, do not trust a neighbor, put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the members of his own household. Here's the third thing that happened, okay? Destruction of the family. Guys, I'm going to say some things that some of you may not like but I'm just gonna give you the truth, okay? The way God set up the family is that the family is the foundation, it's the basic form of government. Everybody clear on that? Everything that God wants to do, the family is the foundation of our nation. You mess with the family, as the family goes, so goes the nation. And Micah is proclaiming to the people here, he's saying, that they're trying to destroy the family. And how many of you, that's what we're experiencing right now, right? They want to get rid of the family. Okay, 
Here's where I may tick some people off, but this is God's word about what a family is and the standard that God holds us to. One man, a father. One woman, a mother. In a marriage relationship, raising children to be godly children who know their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the definition of what a family is. And what I want you to know is this, that family is under attack and we need to fight for the family. I want you to listen to this quote. I was visiting Nicole and her husband, Pastor Aaron, in Germany, this was many years ago, and I took a picture of something that I didn't realize I'd ever use it. And this is something that Adolf Hitler said. He, who, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. He alone who owns the youth gains the future. He's right. Because right now, there is an attack not only on the family, but specifically on our children. If you don't believe me, I want you to listen to, I want you to watch. This is a quote from a female reporter from MSNBC News within the last three months. You ready? We have to break through our private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to the whole communities. No, that is a lie. And that's what is being preached right now. Now I just wanna ask you, how can we sit here and do nothing when our children, our young people are being robbed right before our very eyes. That's why we're doing what we're doing in children's ministry. That's why we have a youth pastor like Pastor Jordan. Because what we wanna do is we want our children, our youth, we wanna invest in them and then we, we want them to know why they believe what they believe. All right, now here's something I wanna ask you. For this to happen, Something had to change. Someone has been indoctrinated. Wouldn't you agree? Listen to this. In 2004, 2004, there was a Pew Research that went out and they asked, how many of you believe in marriage between a husband and a wife and a family. How many of you believe that? 60% of the United States said they believe that's what a family is, that marriage is between a man and a woman in a monogamous relationship for a lifetime. 40% disagreed. That same thing was done just a year ago and is completely fifth. It's flipped. 60% now believe that marriage can be between a man and a woman, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, and three's company. What happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. It happened in 2004. iPhone, Android, internet, Facebook, Twitter. You see, here's what I want you to understand. Our kids have been being indoctrinated on the iPhone and on the Android and on the internet 
ever since it came out. You need to know what your kids are looking at. You need to know what they're being taught. I remember Tony Evans used to say this. I love this quote. When his kids would come home from school, he and his wife had to sit down and teach them the truth of the lies that they had just been told. And that's what's happening. I love you enough to say this to you. I never had to worry about the phones with our kids because we didn't have those kinds of phones. But if you love your children, you love your children, you need to know what they're looking at. And they do it through little things like Tony the Tiger. Do you see the commercials that are coming out? And they're sliding it under the rug like you don't have a clue. Time to stand up. Time to say that's wrong. And my kids, my grandkids will not be lied to. And they're going to be known to know the truth. All right. There's the problem. And now I want to give you some hope. Okay? I want you to look at this. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior my God will hear me. Here's the last thing we watch and hope. All right, so I have a two-year-old grandson. His name is Tate. Whenever we're around and the cousins are chasing him or whatever, he comes up and he comes running to me, Baba, Baba, up, up. Well, you know what he wants. He wants me to pick him up and hold him. So what I would do then is when I would hold him early on, I would lean over and I'd go, that's a long ways down, taters. And he would look down there. But I want you to understand what was happening to this little boy because this is what Micah is telling us. His viewpoint changed. When I'm holding this little boy in my arms up high, he sees things differently. If you stay among the people, if we stay among those who don't believe like we believe, we're going to continue to be bombarded with that. And what is God saying? God is saying this, you guys got to be like the watchman. What does the watchman do? He gets up on the wall and he watches. What's he watching for? He's watching for the future of what is to come. He doesn't have time to be involved in all of the stuff that's going on below him. He comes down, he is a part of it, but then he goes back up on his stance. And so I want you to know, this is what God is telling us. He's saying there's hope. But here's what he's telling us. Sorry. Whoop. He's saying you can't stay in the world. You've got to rise above and the way you rise above is in prayer. The way you rise above is by reading God's word. Don't stay with the turkeys. Get up with the eagles. This is the people that God wants to use. And all I simply want you to do, now just listen to this, because I want to bring, bring this to a close. I want to bring this to a close. If our church, if you and I, if the church don't learn to rise up, our world is sunk. We know it's going to be destroyed. We know that Satan is going to have his way. But we also know this, God's not done with us yet. 
There are more people that he wants to know who he is, and some of them may be in your own families. But the time has come where we have to dig our feet in, and we have to stand for the truth, and the truth is God's word. And when people point the finger at us, and when people make fun of us because our beliefs, you just remember something. They're speaking out of ignorance they don't know. But here's the other thing they don't realize. When we do our job, God heals the land and there's peace. Let's be the church. Let's rise up and let's be what God has called us to believe and not push anything under the rug anymore. Let's believe in the God who created us and he's not done with us yet because these are awesome days. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Oh, your word is powerful. It's true. And no, people can't say that the word doesn't apply to today. It applies exactly to today. But Lord, I pray for our minds. I pray for our hearts. God, may we be careful about what we allow in our minds and our hearts. I pray, Lord God, that we would just, that you would build a hedge of protection around us and that we're particular about what goes in our ears. We're particular about what our kids are looking at and what they're listening to. And when we find that something is wrong, that we will sound the alarm and we will use truth, the word of God is our weapon against them. God, I pray that today that you would light a fire in us. I think about those men and women who stood before us and the sacrifice and the service of they gave. Now we, it's our turn to sacrifice and give of what we are and what we have for the furthering of the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please stand? And I wanna give you the benediction, then I'm gonna dismiss you, okay? I pray you have a great day. I pray you have a safe fourth. And I wanna remind you also that you would remember, we have this freedom that God has given to us. Let's use it for his purposes. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord give you his strength, his peace, and his joy. God bless you. Have a great week.